Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher. This week's parasha is Vayishlach. Uh, Yaakov, who has spent uh, 20 years living with Lavan, uh, is finally coming home, and uh, inevitably he will have to encounter Esav. So it seems that what Yaakov has decided to do is to uh, call up a uh, an encounter with Esav uh, before Esav, let's say, finds out about it, uh, finds out about his return uh, by chance. So as Yaakov gets closer to the territory where Esav lives, territory called Seir, Yaakov uh, sends a message to Esav. So this is the first part of the parasha, which is about Yaakov's uh, encounter with Esav after many years of separation. And let's not forget that uh, the last time that Yaakov and Esav were together, uh, Esav was so angry at Yaakov uh, for taking the blessings, the brachot, that Esav had vowed to kill Yaakov. So the question is, has time uh, brought about a change in Esav's feelings? So Yaakov sends a message to Esav, telling him that he is uh, returning. And uh, the messengers come back with not a verbal response, but they tell him that Esav is now advancing towards him uh, with 400 men uh, with him. And this seems very frightening. If, uh, if <clears throat> Esav is coming with 400 men, uh, that seems to be uh, uh, a scary, a scary pro- prospect, and so um, and so Yaakov prepares uh, th- that it's very possible uh, that Esav is advancing towards him in a uh, menacing way, and Yaakov has to be prepared for that. And so he prepares for the eventual, uh, and as I said, inevitable meeting with Esav uh, in three ways. Uh, as Chazal explained, he prepares uh, for the possibility of war. Uh, he divides his camp into two, and uh, uh, that might very well mean that if Esav does, in fact, attack one of the camps, then Yaakov will be able to counterattack and uh, save the other camp. Uh, Yaakov also prepares uh, with prayer, and uh, we have a very detailed prayer that Yaakov says before Hashem, uh, saying that Hashem has asked him to return home, and Yaakov expresses gratitude for all of the kindness that he has received uh, from Hashem, uh, but now he is returning and he needs to be saved. So he asks to be saved from the hand of his brother Esav. The third uh, way in which Yaakov prepares uh, for his encounter with Esav is by sending uh, a gift, sending a gift ahead. It's known as a mincha, and a mincha is a gift that one sends to someone who's powerful. Uh, ahead of the meeting uh, in order to placate that person. That's what Yaakov does, and he sends a very, very 
large gift to uh, Esav, uh, also giving instructions that the various animals that are sent be separated uh, from each other, uh, so that Esav uh, has a chance to see, let's say, the sheep, and then he sees coming over hor- the horizon the goats, and then uh, and so on and so on. Uh, so it's a very big gift that Yaakov is sending ahead to Esav. These are the three ways in which Yaakov prepares. Uh, on the night before Yaakov is actually to meet up with Esav, there's a point after he has taken his uh, family, uh, as well as all of his animals and his servants and so on, uh, across the crossing place of uh, the river Yabok, there is a point that Yaakov finds himself alone. And he finds that in the dark, uh, someone is wrestling with him. Uh, it turns out that this is an angel. Chazal say that it is the uh, Sarosh al-Esav. It's the angel that watches over Esav, the angel that watches over the nation from, es- from which Esav, uh, which will come from Esav. And um, this wrestling goes on through the night uh, until the break of dawn uh, because the angel uh, is unable to uh, defeat Yaakov. And he asks to be released, and Yaakov says he will not release him unless he gets a blessing, and in a sense he's asking for a confirmation of the blessings that he got from uh, Yitzhak. Uh, and so the angel gives Yaakov a new name, Yisrael, one who has uh, fought against, who has uh, wrestled with, uh, you, have, you strove with both uh, divine beings and with people, uh, and you have prevailed. Uh, the problem is that during the course of this uh, wrestling, during the course of the night, when Yaakov is uh, holding his own, the angel uh, hurts him. Uh, he touches him in the socket of his uh, thigh and dislocates the, the socket and causes Yaakov to, uh, to limp. And we find that even in the morning he is still limping. Uh, even after he sent the angel away. But we're also told, as a kind of a postscript, that as a, uh, a connection to this event, uh, the Jewish people do not eat the Gid Hanasheh, that's the sinew uh, that was uh, dislocated uh, in the course of that uh, wrestling. And uh, that, that uh, sinew is uh, not permissible to be uh, eaten, even from an animal or the point is, it's from an animal that is uh, that is kosher, uh, but that part of the animal is not to be eaten, the Gid HaNashem. Uh, we continue uh, the next day uh, that Yaakov and Esav are actually uh, going, to, uh, going to meet up. And so, um, Esav uh, advances, and uh, Yaakov is... Is, is ready, and Esav's uh, reaction after seeing Esav and seeing the 400 men, um, and after having divided his camp once again uh, to try to help them, um, each member of the camp approaches Esav and bows, and then uh, Yaakov himself does, and Esav runs towards him and embraces him 
falls on his uh, neck and kisses him, and they cry. So it would seem that, uh, at least for the time being, Esav uh, no longer desires to kill uh, Yaakov. Uh, and so uh, Yaakov says to Esav, please accept the gifts that I sent ahead to you, because Esav wants to know what they are, and he says they're a gift. And Esav says, no, I have uh, I have much, I don't need it. And Yaakov eventually persuades Esav to, uh, to keep the gifts. Um, then Esav proposes to Yaakov that they travel uh, together. Uh, Yaakov explains that, the, that he's traveling with women and children and animals which have to travel very, very slowly, uh, and it would, be, uh, it would take a long time uh, before Yaakov would get to Esav's territory. But it's fairly clear Yaakov has no intention of going to Esau's territory because once in Esau's territory, Yaakov would be even less safe than he is right now out in the open. And so Yaakov uh, tries various ways of evading uh, Esau's suggestion. Uh, Esau says, I will dispatch certain men to accompany you. And Yaakov says, please don't do that. And at the end, Yaakov says, uh, you continue to where you live, to Seir, and I will uh, meet up with you. But uh, it's very clear that Yaakov uh, does not go to Esau's territory. Uh, and, uh, uh, and in this way, Yaakov and his family uh, are, are safe. And so at the end of this episode, Esau returns to his place in Seir. The next part of the parasha deals with uh, Yaakov's travels. After the uh, somewhat successful encounter with Esav, now Yaakov continues on his journey. Uh, He doesn't go directly to be reunited with his father, uh, which is uh, a problem, nor does he go to Bet-El, which is the place where uh, he had... He had had the vision of the latter on his way out of Israel. Uh, instead, um, he spent some time in a place called Sukkot, which is still on the other side of the Jordan. It's not in, uh, in Israel proper. And Chazal said that he spends uh, 18 months there. Uh, and then he finally does cross over. Um, and he... Uh, comes to the city of Shechem. Uh, and when he's in uh, Shechem, he does purchase a piece of land, and he builds an altar, and uh, purchases it for a, a very high sum of money. And uh, he also, of course, because he builds an altar, proclaims Hashem's name. That piece of territory, that piece of land, uh, will eventually be the burial place of uh, Yosef. In the next section of the parasha is while Yaakov is in Shechem, and we have uh, the tragic events uh, surrounding uh, Dina, Yaakov's daughter. Uh, Dina uh, is uh, abducted and abused by the uh, son of the king of Shechem. The king of Shechem is called Hamor. The son is called Shechem, so the son and the, and the city have the same name. And uh, after uh, abducting her and abusing her, uh, Shechem says he wants to marry Dina. Uh, and this is uh, 
problematic, to put it mildly. Uh, and so there starts some negotiations between Hamor and Dina's brothers. Um, Hamor says, let's not stop at my son marrying your sister. Uh, instead, let's arrange it that our nations can be united with our uh, with many children from each community marrying uh, each other. Uh, the solution of the brothers or the response of the brothers is uh, to say that they, in order to become one people, they must be circumcised. Uh, when he hears about this, Shechem, uh, the prince, uh, has himself circumcised immediately, and then all of the men of the city are circumcised as well. Uh, then, on the third day, uh, when uh, the people of Shechem are, are very weak, because they're still recuperating, and the third day might be the weakest of the days, Shimon and Levi, just two of the brothers, come and they kill all of the men of the city of Shechem. And the brothers rescue Dina, uh, and uh, <clears throat> they take the spoils of the city, um, and this is uh, this this plan of action uh, is met with some uh, criticism by Yaakov. Um, Yaakov says to Shimon and Levi that you have uh, you have damaged my reputation, uh, and also you've endangered uh, our family because the other surrounding people uh, are going to avenge the deaths of all of the people uh, in in the city of Shechem, and uh, Shimon and Levi have a response, which is, we can't allow them to treat our uh, our sister uh, as a prostitute. And uh, at least in this episode, they have the last word. But it's important to point out that uh, on his deathbed, Yaakov has his response uh, to what they have done and said. And uh, on his deathbed, when he's talking about the future of the tribes that are going to come from his sons. Um, he curses the anger of uh, Shimon and Levi uh, and says that they are very dangerous when they're together. And therefore, uh, when it comes to apportioning the land, the uh, tribes of uh, Shimon and Levi are to be separate from each other. So even though in this passage it looks like uh, Shimon and Levi uh, have the last word, uh, in a real sense, Yaakov has the last word because he doesn't think that this kind of behavior is uh, is acceptable. Uh, maybe the people of Shechem may have deserved uh, to be punished, uh, but the problem is that the way that Shimon and Levi uh, did it uh, could bring Chilul uh, Hashem, and that is something to worry about a great deal. In the next uh, section of the parasha, uh, Yaakov is still in Shechem, but Hashem uh, appears to Yaakov and tells him, you must return to Bethel, as I said earlier, that's the place uh, where Yaakov had the vision of the ladder, and you have to fulfill your vows. You vowed that that place would be dedicated to Hashem. Uh, you couldn't do it then, but now is the time for you to do this. And so Yaakov um, uh, prepares his entire group of people uh, for this uh, for this journey to the holy place of uh, Bethel, uh, he, he says that it's necessary to uh, 
remove anything that uh, that they have, let's say that they have taken as part of the spoils uh, from the city of Shechem, anything that is idolatrous, remove it, and um, they do that. And then they journey to Bethel, and in Bethel, um, Yaakov uh, builds an altar. Um, also, we're told right nearby that uh, Devorah, who is Rivka's nurse, uh, dies and is buried there. Uh, when Rivka first left home, uh, her uh, uh, she is sent with this uh, this nurse to take care of her, and she becomes uh, as a, an assistant to her. Um, throughout the years, but now she has died, and they cry over uh, over her death. Um, here, uh, Yaakov's uh, new name of Yisrael is confirmed by Hashem. So not only was it said by the angel, but it's also confirmed by Hashem. And Yaakov erects a, a pillar, and once again dedicates that to Hashem's uh, name. Uh, the next part of the parasha, uh, uh, deals with the journey back to, uh, to the house of Yitzchak. As Yaakov is traveling, uh, Rachel goes into labor. Uh, Rachel is carrying her second child, and as she gives birth, uh, she is dying. Uh, before she dies, she names the child Ben-Oni, son of my strength. Uh, Yaakov renames him Binyamin, son of right hand, um, which suggests strength. Uh, but, as Rashi points out, uh, Yamin uh, refers also to the south, uh, because the Tanakh, in general, uses the east as its point of reference. So imagine facing east. Your right hand is pointing towards the south. So Binyamin could also be explained as son of the south, and the reason why uh, it's appropriate to call Binyamin that is, unlike all of his brothers and sister, uh, who were born when Yaakov was living with Lavan in the north, northeast, but north, uh, Binyamin is the only one who uh, was born after they had returned to the land of Israel, which, relatively speaking, is in the south. So, uh, Binyamin is the son of the south. Um, Rachel dies uh, and is buried by the road to Beit Lechem, what's known as Kever Rachel. Yaakov continues, eventually, his journey. There is an upsetting episode involving Ruvain and uh, Bilha. Uh, but despite this upsetting uh, episode, uh, the Torah confirms that Yaakov has 12 sons, and that would even include Ruvain, despite uh, the, uh, what, what Ruvain did. Um, and uh, so we are told about the 12 sons of Yaakov. And uh, finally, Yaakov returns to Yitzchak, who is uh, living in, in Hebron. Uh, and then we are told eventually that uh, Yitzchak uh, dies at the age of 180, and Esav and Yaakov unite in order to bury uh, Yitzchak in the cave of Machpelah in the, fa- in the family uh, burial grounds. Um, 
the, the Torah is not speaking chronologically now or in a linear fashion because some of the events that are in next week's parasha actually uh, overlap with the last years of Yitzchak. But the Torah wants to talk about Yitzchak's end now and it will then focus on uh, Yaakov and his family. Um, but the Torah tells us that Yitzchak dies at the age of 180. The very, very last section of the parasha uh, talks about uh, Esav and his family. Esav uh, and the nation that comes from him, which is called Edom. And uh, we're told about the wives of Esav and his children and how he relocates uh, to Seir. Uh, if you can imagine a map of Israel, Seir is to the southeast of the uh, Yam HaMelach of the Dead Sea, roughly that area. We're also told about Esau's grandchildren and the various uh, tribes uh, that come from Esau, and each one has a chieftain. Uh, we're also told about Seir, who's a person, um, and it's not only the name of a place, but it's also uh, a person, and Esau has married into and more or less merged with uh, Seir, so we're told about that. And finally, the Torah talks about the kings and chieftains of Edom um, that ruled for many generations before uh, the people of Israel had a king of their own. You can see that the Torah is uh, dealing with Esav and talking about Esav far into the future um, because the Torah wants to you'll pardon the expression, get Esau out of the way, uh, so that the Torah now can concentrate uh, on Yaakov and his family, which will be the, the subject of the, essentially, the rest of the Torah. Uh, and that it brings us to the end of Parashat Vayishlach. Let's go back to the beginning of the parasha, when Yaakov gives instructions to his servants. His instructions are... Uh, to my master uh, Esav, this is what your servant Jacob says, I have sojourned with Lavan, in Lavan Garti, and I've remained until now. And then he also talks about his modest accomplishments, an ox, uh, uh, a donkey, etc. Uh, and I've sent this message in order to, uh, I hope, gain favor, uh, gain your favor. Rashi, on the word Garti, I have sojourned, um, takes note of the choice of words. Um, why is it that Yaakov makes a point of saying that he's been living with uh, Lavan? So Rashi, first of all, points out that the word Garti, uh, as it is based on the word Ger, means that all the time that I lived with um uh, Lavan, I was a ger, I was a stranger. And that's important because Esau's original hatred of Yaakov was based on the fact that Yaakov was to be uh, Esau's superior, his master. But as you can see, Yaakov is saying to Lavan, let's say, uh, below the text, um, that I have remained a stranger. I never be, I have yet to become anybody important. And therefore, there's no reason for you to continue hating me uh, because the the uh, blessings haven't come true. Um, he also, Rashi also points out that the word Garti, Gimel, Reish, Tav, Yud, 
has exactly the same numerical value, indeed it has the same letters, just rearranged, of Taryag, which is 613. Um, and uh, the message there is, uh, although I have lived with Lavan, in Lavan Garti, nevertheless, I have continued to observe the Taryag mitzvot, the 613 uh, mitzvot, I have not learned of his uh, evil ways. Uh, and that is another subliminal message that Yaakov is sending to uh, Esav. Uh, I have hung on to who I am. So even though Yaakov is being uh, uh, humbling himself before Esav, bowing and calling himself servant and Esav master, um, there is a subliminal message that I have held on to what is important, namely my commitment to the uh, to the mitzvot of the Torah, and in that way I have remained strong. I thank you for uh, joining me in this exploration of Parashat Vayishlach. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher for Parashat Highlights and Insights, saying Shalom.